At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. I'm getting ready to share with you from this book called the Bible. I do not come to this pulpit to talk to you from the Courier Journal or from CNN or anywhere else. I don't come to philosophize. I come to speak the truth of God. So I say without hesitancy, I've come to bless your life. And I said, um, uh, at the end of 23, I said that in 24, that there is a significant blessing that God's going to bring into your life. You'll know it came from God because of how wonderful it's going to be. You're going to say nobody but God could have done this. I'm not the preacher to get up to say things to simply thrill you or to excite you, but I'm the preacher, prophet, priest who does not hold back, I'm not ashamed to speak the truth that God has given me to make an impartation into your life. And I'm doing this series right now, as we began this year, there's, there's so much revelation God has given me that uh, I'm having to really pray to say, God, which one right now? Uh, I'm going to do a, a series entitled, Thank God for the Second Half from the book of Nehemiah. I thought I was going to start the year with it, but uh, God told me not yet start with this. And so uh, I said to you uh, about two Sundays ago, I said that um, the title of this series, the title of this series is uh, Believing God for the Best. Believing God for the best. As we start this year out, we're saying in this year, we are believing God for the best. And I'm saying to you that your best days are ahead of you. And I want you to know again, I'm not talking to hear myself, but I'm saying to you what God would have me to say to you, and it is not a motivational type of slogan. I'm saying to you, beloved, that every man, every woman who is sincere and serious about your relationship with God, that you can believe God for the best if you're taking your walk with him serious. The propensity of some church people is that they are okay with going through the motion. And if you're the person who wants to go through the motion, then when I said believe in God for the best, I'm not talking to you. Because that person is not going to experience what I'm talking about. But for the person who takes God serious, your best days are ahead of you because you're always in the process of becoming. Are you listening to me? So this series that I'm doing right now, uh, Believe in God for the Best, what I'm doing is I am teaching you 10 spiritual disciplines. 10 spiritual 
disciplines. And God wants us to understand these disciplines and practice them because as you practice these disciplines that are coming from the word of God, it's going to put you in alignment with the will of God. When you practice or you implement God's will in your life, you can't help but be blessed and you can't help but experience the victory that God wants you to have. So last Sunday, I spoke to you about the discipline, the discipline of listening to the voice of God because it is a spiritual discipline to learn to understand how to listen to God's voice. And his voice is heard sometimes in situations, circumstances, and people, but primarily his voice is heard through his word because it is the word of God that authenticates and it is the word of God that has the supreme authority of what we understand to be God's will in our lives. Today, I'm going to teach you a second discipline, and this discipline is living in the power of baptism. That's a baptismal pool. There's a cross and a dove. We baptize people who come to Christ. Have you ever understood what it means to go in the pool? And have you ever thought about what are the ramifications for anybody's life who's baptized in Christ? Well, let's talk about it. I want to teach you today about living in the power of baptism. This is the second discipline. Turn with me in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and I want to read verses 13 through verse 17. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through verse 17. Let's stand for the reading of the word. Living in the power of baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 reads like this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm teaching today from the idea living in the power of baptism. Every man, every woman in this sanctuary and those who are joining us through our virtual worship experience today, every person who can make the claim 
that I am a Christian is a person who has been baptized. Today, we have the convenience, and we might even say the luxury, of having a baptismal pool in the sanctuary. Most churches today who have a church facility, a church edifice, have a baptismal pool in the sanctuary, in the worship house, where they baptize new believers in Christ. Now I do need to help some of you who are young to understand that there was a day and time years ago when the people of God in many cases, if not most cases, when they had a sanctuary or a church facility to have worship, they did not have the luxury of having a baptismal pool in the sanctuary. And yet they would baptize believers in Christ. They would take them down to the river and they would baptize them at the water's edge. I know you're too young to know anything about that. So am I. But I read and I study. And I talk to people who lived during that era. And they said to me, they said, Pastor Malone said they would bring the candidates to the river and they would march down to the water's edge. They would be dressed in white. And they said they would sing some of the great spirituals and hymns of the church as they made their way to the water's edge. I said, what did they sing? They said, well, sometimes they would sing, I'll never die while Jesus lives, nor lose my holy right. I'll keep that which he gave to me while Jesus keeps my life. They, they lied, I'll never die while Jesus lives. I kind of went like that. And they, they, would, they would sing, take me to the water. Take me to the water. Take me to the water to be baptized. They said none but the righteous. None but the righteous. None but the righteous shall see God. It was an experience that would stay with a person all the days of their life. You ought not ever forget the day you were baptized because it speaks of your second birth. My mother told me about my first birth. My mother told me, she said, you were born March the 18th, 1955. That was my first birth. But I told my mama about my second birth. I told her I had come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and that I had given my life to him. She told me about my first birth, but I had to tell her about my second birth. The word baptism comes from a Greek word that does mean to be immersed in the water. Sometimes people get hung up on symbols 
And they don't understand that a symbol is a metaphor that is speaking to something greater than the symbol itself. So in some church traditions, as people may have been sprinkled, and they may not have been taken under the water, there were those who, being very parochial and provincial, would say that the person who was sprinkled was not saved because they had not gone under the water. I beg to differ because while I do believe in being immersed, I understand that a symbol points to a reality greater than itself. If you see a stop sign, you stop. But the sign's trying to tell you about something that's going to happen if you don't stop. It's a symbol. And so whether you were immersed in the water or whether you were sprinkled, this baptismal pool is talking about something that happened before you got to the water. Because the water has never saved and ain't going to save nobody. It's talking about something that is supposed to have happened before you got to the pool. It is saying that you had an encounter with Jesus and that you confessed your hope in him and you've asked him to be your personal Lord and Savior. Now, if that has not happened, then you go in a dry devil, you come out a wet devil. You're no different. But if you have met him, if you have repented of your sins, if you have asked him to be your Lord and your Savior, oh my Father, what a difference it makes in your life. And so God wants us to understand the power of living in the power of baptism. He wants us to understand what it means to live in the power of baptism because to be baptized is one of the ordinances of the church. That's how we speak of it in the Baptist church tradition. We say that the church has two ordinances and that is baptism and the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper. We speak of them as ordinances of the church because those are two things that Jesus commanded us to do. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He told us to do that in the Great Commission. Jesus says that we are to remember his death, burial, and resurrection until he comes again. And we do that by sharing together in Holy Communion. In other church traditions, there's a word that is used in similar context to the word ordinance, and it is the word sacrament. The Catholic Church has about seven or ten sacraments. But I like even speaking in our tradition as these two ordinances, I like speaking of them as two sacraments. And I like it because the Latin, the word sacrament comes from a Latin uh, root and it means to make an oath of allegiance. So when you are baptized, what you're doing publicly is you're declaring an oath of allegiance to Jesus Christ. And the reason why we must be careful and don't take this sacred act, this wonderful act, and then bring it down to just being religious, 
is because we then miss the implications that it has for our lives. Because I need to remind some of you is that when you study the book of Acts and you read about how early believers were baptized, they understood that to be baptized was going to cost them. They understood that if I'm baptized, what I'm saying is I'm willing to be put on death row. If I have the courage and the commitment to be baptized, I am publicly acknowledging my allegiance to Jesus Christ. And in the first century, people lived in a time and a culture where everybody was supposed to say, Curios Caesar. But if you dared not to say Curios Caesar, and you said Curios Christ, you're saying, I'm not going to worship Caesar. I'm going to worship Jesus. And I'm going to worship him alone. And because of that commitment, many Christians found themselves becoming martyrs for the faith. So James had his head cut off by Herod. Peter was crucified upside down. John was banished on an isle called Patmos. St Stephen was stoned to death. And the young man by the name of Saul standing there holding his cloak was the same young man who was on his way down the road of Damascus to have other Christians arrested, put in prison, put in lion's dens, killed and tortured in arenas before crowds of people. Somebody said to Nero, we couldn't see last night walking down the Roman road. So Nero said, take some of the Christians, tie them on a pole, set them on fire so that their burning bodies will provide light for others to walk down the road at night. And as cruel as Nero was, it was Domitian who went down in history as having bathed the Roman Empire with the blood of the martyrs. So you can go in the catacombs even today and see the signs upon the walls of those who were willing to lay down their life for Christ. And even this young man Saul who was going to have others persecuted and be arrested while he was going down the Damascus Road he got arrested himself by Jesus. He was sent down a street called straight to the home of one by the name of Ananias and Ananias didn't want to receive him because Ananias says his resume <coughs> speaks of his willingness to have us arrested and persecuted. God, you sure you want to send him to my house? And God says, let him in because he's blind but the scales are going to fall from his eyes and I will show him how much he would, how many things he would suffer for my name's sake. He's the one whose name was then changed from Saul to Paul. And when you read his resume, read his epistles, Paul was in trouble more often than not. Stayed in jail, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake, stoned and left to die. And ultimately had his head cut off on Nero's chopping block. To be baptized 
was costly. And we don't think about how significant it is to be baptized in this Western Hemisphere in America because church in many cases has been turned into an entertainment center. In many cases, church no longer has anything to say about our commitment to Jesus. But I need about five of you all to understand who don't think globally that there are still places in the world today that if you were to go there and openly confess your faith in Christ in 2024 in this month of January, you could still lose your life. The only reason you ain't sensitive to it because you ain't never left these grounds. But I came to remind you, as God would have me to tell you, this means something. And we shouldn't lower it so low that we forget the implications that it has for our lives. Because God wants us to live in the power of baptism. Look at somebody and say, I want that power. Ask him, say, have you been baptized? Ask him, say, do you know anything about this power? Y'all getting quiet on me. I said, ask him, have you been baptized? Now look back, don't be scared. Don't be scared. Look at him and say, do you know anything about this power? Let, let, me, let, me, let me share with you, let me share with you the implications. Living in the power of baptism means that we have died to the old man and we have been raised up to walk in the newness of life. Look at what Paul says to us in Romans chapter 6. Keep your Bibles open. Turn quickly to Romans chapter 6. I still believe in teaching from the word. Look at Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. And then look at verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says that when we confess our hope in Christ and we're baptized, he says it is as though we were literally with Jesus when he was crucified at Calvary. That when he died on the cross, we were historically, literally, right there with him in his crucifixion. That we were literally with him when they took him and buried him in another man's tomb. We were buried with him. And when he got up Sunday morning with all power in his hand, we got up with him. Crucified, buried, and resurrected with Christ. And when you're baptized, that, that, that relationship with God 
is so spiritually cemented in your spirit that Paul says we reckon it to be so that we have spiritually resolved that I have been crucified, buried, and resurrected with Christ so the old man has died and while I'm not perfected, I am a new man. I'm a new man. Old man has died. That man that did not know God, that man that was an enemy of God, that man that wouldn't go to church, that man that wouldn't pray, that man that had no praise on his lips, that man that was on his way to hell, that man that was separated from God, that man has died. So when we took you to the pool and we took you down in the water, that means you died. That's why I love this pool with the cross and with that dove. Because I've been crucified. I died. I'm buried in him. But when we bring you up out of the water, it means that there is not a resuscitation, but a resurrection. I've been resurrected. I've been raised up to walk in the newness of life. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Something in me died. And what is it that died? I died to myself. That's what died. Self died. Help me here, Jesus. If any man would be my disciple, let him first deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Because he cannot be my Lord. He cannot be my king if I'm still sitting on the throne. For him to be my Lord, somebody's got to get off the seat. Somebody's going to have to be dethroned so he can be enthroned. So I have to die to myself. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, we die daily. More me is getting out of the way <coughs> so there can be more Christ in me. The old man dies and the new man is resurrected. And so when you read Romans, Romans chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, is the spiritual autobiography of all of us. That there was a point in our lives, beloved, when we didn't know God, don't you sit here and act like you knew him all your life. You ain't been saved all your life. You just thinking, God, somebody don't walk in here who knew you about 20 years ago. Some of y'all praying somebody don't come in here who knew you two days ago. You ought to thank God that he saved you. That's what Romans 6 is saying. I ain't always been saved. I'm saved by grace. And then Romans chapter 7 says, even now that I'm saved, I struggle sometimes. When I would do good, evil is always present. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. 
So Romans 6 says, I didn't know him. Romans 7 says, I'm saved, but sometimes I struggle. And then Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So when you come out of that water, the power of baptism is an affirmation that now your life is occupied by the Spirit of the living God. And Paul says in Romans 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. You can't handle you. I didn't say the police couldn't handle you. No, I know he can't handle you because you can't handle yourself. But thanks be unto God that the Spirit of God, when I would want to go back to that dead man, the Spirit of God will arrest me and help me to be what God has redeemed me to be. <coughs> Even when I don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost helps me to pray. And God says that we know that in all things, that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Because when you come out of the baptismal pool, the power of baptism says that there's a purpose that God's going to work out come hell or high water. To such a degree that nothing will separate me from the love of God. That's some kind of a power. Do what you want to do, devil, but you cannot separate me from my God. That's, that's what happens after you come out of the pool. That's an implication. That, that's about living in the power of baptism. <clears throat> Can I tell you something else? I need you to turn to Colossians. Turn to Colossians chapter 2. Turn to Colossians chapter 2 and uh, I'm going to read in just a minute with verse 11. But let me tell you what it means. It means that living in the power of baptism is that there is a process of sanctification that takes place in our lives so we can be in position to receive and experience every promise and every possibility that God has ordained for our lives. Let me give it to you again so you can write it down. Living in the power of baptism means that God is sanctifying you so that you will be in position to receive and experience every promise and every possibility that God has ordained for your life. See, I told you that we are believing God for the best. Yeah. 
And I told you that your best days are ahead of you. And I ain't talking to him myself. This was given to me as revelation from the word of God. So now what I'm doing is I'm making a spiritual deposit into your life so you can receive the truth of God and then walk in the revelation that God is giving you. Are you still with me? So listen to how Paul says it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now I gotta go a little biblically deep on you. Paul says that the way God is going to sanctify us is that God is going to circumcise us. But it is not the circumcision that you understand that happens to the male, but it is a circumcision of your heart. <clears throat> but to understand the circumcision of the heart and the significance of its spiritual implications look at somebody say I'm getting ready to holler yeah I'm getting, I'm getting ready to tell them again so I'm getting ready to holler because to understand the circumcision of the heart you've got to understand the circumcision that takes place on the male reproductive organ <clears throat> so Paul is doing a throwback on Abraham and Israel go with me God calls Abraham to be the father of a great nation and when you read in Genesis chapter 17 God commands Abraham to be circumcised and all of the men to be circumcised and the young boys to be circumcised going forward on a particular day or a particular age they are to be circumcised and the circumcision becomes an outward manifestation of the covenant relationship that they have with God. Are you still with me? Now God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son, a promised son. And that through his seed, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Now the challenge with Abraham and Sarah is that they kept having birthdays. But Sarah is barren, and it seemingly she cannot have a child. Now, Abraham has a child through the bondwoman, Hagar. And he has not been circumcised. He has not been circumcised. His ability to reproduce through the male organ is active, although he's still having birthdays 
and Sarah appears to be barren. Ishmael is born through Hagar, but Ishmael is not the promised child. And Abraham has not been circumcised. But then God tells Abraham, you are to be circumcised as a sign of the covenant and all of the men of Israel. After Abraham is circumcised, then Isaac is born through Sarah, who was barren. The promised child was not born until after Abraham was circumcised. Ishmael born, but he ain't circumcised. Ishmael born, but the promise ain't coming through Ishmael. Isaac is born after the circumcised. But not before. He wasn't born until after Abraham is circumcised. And it is going to be through Isaac that the promise is going to be fulfilled. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob become the patriarchal fathers of Israel. The promise and the possibilities comes through the child after Abraham is circumcised. Circumcision is the cutting away on the male reproductive organ excessive skin or excessive flesh. The skin, the flesh is cut away because it ain't needful nor necessary for the productive organ to operate. says in like manner God is circumcising our heart he's got to cut away unnecessary unneedful flesh because what's hindering me from receiving my promise What's in the way of me experiencing the possibilities that God has for my life is unnecessary flesh. Flip Wilson used to say the devil made me do it. Flip, you a lie and the devil is too. Because the devil don't make you do anything. It's your choice. Temptation is not sin. It is the willful decision to yield to it that becomes sin. And the reason we sin is too much flesh is in our way. Our proclivities, our idiosyncrasies, our dark passions, a dumb spirit gets on us and we allow it to cause us to get out of alignment with God. 
bless me, but I keep getting in the way. God's made promises to me that ain't came to pass because I keep forfeiting what God said he would do. God says, I got possibilities I want to work out in your life, but the only reason it ain't came to pass is because you're out of position. I got to cut you too much flesh is in the way I come to church I ain't doing number playing cause I got too much flesh in my life I don't come to Bible study because it's my flesh. I won't come and pray because it's my flesh. I won't witness to the laws because it's my flesh. Because I'm, I'm comfortable with being a fake. I'm comfortable with being pretentious. I'm, I'm okay with being plastic. I'll carry his name and never walk with him. Beloved, there are three kinds of people in the world. I'm not making this up, it's Bible. The only reason why you may not, may not know this before I tell you is because you're not in this book. But there's three kinds of people in the world, let me tell you. First, there is the person who is lost. The person who is unsaved. They have no relationship with God because they've never acknowledged him. They've never asked him to be their personal Lord and Savior. That person is lost. It doesn't matter how good they are because good folk go to hell. The only way you can be saved is you have to repent of your sins and give your life to Christ. So the, the one person in this world is a person who's lost. Write it down. The second person in this world is the person that we could somewhat say they are a Christian, but they are a carnal Christian. Paul talks about in his letter to the church at Corinth. They are, they are carnal Christians. They go to church, but they're trying to be in the church and in the world at the same time. They're carnal Christians. They're still trying to hold on to their old lifestyle and yet want to cry hallelujah. They're, they're carnal Christians. They don't want to get too close to the Lord because they are afraid that they're going to have to quit doing something that they still want to do. Carnal Christians. And the church has a lot of carnal Christians today. That's why it's time for us to tell this story, speak this truth as never before. Because I believe there's a cleansing that needs to take place in the house of God. They're, they're carnal Christians. Then there's the third person. 
First person is the person whose loss has no relationship with God. The second person is the person who is the carnal Christian. That's the person who's very casual about Jesus. They almost act like they can take him or leave him. But there's a third person in the world, and that person is a Christian. That person is not perfect. They never claim to be. But it is a person who does not take God in Christ for granted. It is the person who takes serious what the Lord has done for them. And they are forever pursuing him. They say like Paul, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. They, they, they're, they're the person who says, have thine own way. Have thine own way. God, you are the potter and I am the clay. Make me and mold me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. I'm saying to you that when you live in the power of baptism, you certainly don't want to be that first person. And you don't want to be a carnal Christian. You want to be a Christian in word and in deed. And you love Jesus like the, the praise team was singing right before I got up to teach this word. You love Jesus. And when you say you love him, it ain't lip. It's life. You know I love him not because of what I say. You know I love him because of what I do. But then there's another revelation from living in the pool of baptism. And that is living in the power of baptism means that God has delivered us. He's delivered us. First Corinthians chapter 10, Paul puts it like this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Yeah. Paul says, go back and look at Moses and Israel. God delivered them out of bondage in Egypt, then brought them on their way through the wilderness to Canaan, but they had to go by the way of the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army came after Israel after they had been released from bondage in Egypt. And the reason why Pharaoh and his army came is because evil doesn't know how to quit. And when God brings you out of bondage, he brings you out of bondage so you can be free. Walter, you sung that today, son. Yeah, he brings you so you can be free. God brings you out of darkness so you can walk in the marvelous light. But the devil's going to come back and try to make you think you're still in bondage. But God has a way of settling it because Israel crossed over on dry shard. But Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. The Bible says, they said, we won't see it like this again because God has a way of settling it. 
Don't you let the devil make you think you're still in bondage. No, no. When he comes against you, it's a confirmation that you've been delivered. Because if you had not been delivered, he ain't got to come against you. The only people that the devil wants to attack are those who know who they belong to. He only wants to attack those who are walking in the light. And so you got to learn how to take the negative, not negatively, but take the negative positive. Devil, the only reason why you're trying to cause me havoc is because I'm up going up the king's highway. And God has done and God is doing a marvelous work in my life. Now, I know you say, well, Pastor, you done told us three things about what happens in, as we live in the power of baptism. But as I wrap this lesson up, I'm going to say something. Don't let it scare you. I'm going to tell you three more things <laughs> that happens to you because it happened for Jesus. But this ain't going to be long because I'm using this to wrap the lesson up. I, I, I gave you this scripture because this is the foundation what I'm going to give you. What I've already given you are the spiritual implications that flow from the foundation. Teach Walter Malone Jr. I'm doing the best I can. Jesus comes to the Jordan to be baptized by John, right? And, and John says to Jesus, wait a minute, I know who you are, and, and I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. Jesus says to John, uh -uh, come on, John, baptize me because we need to do this for righteousness sake. I'm without sin, but John, I want you to baptize me because, John, I am the paradigm. I'm the model for every believer to understand what's going to be their birthright. I just gave you a reason to holler. What's going to be your birthright? I'm going to say it one more time. What's going to be your birthright when you come into a right relationship with God? Let me give it to you and I'm through. John baptizes Jesus. The text says that when Jesus came up out of the water, the text says the heavens were open to him. Well, that's what happens when you get baptized in Jesus is that the heavens open. You live under an open heaven. It means you become conscious. You become spiritually aware that there is an aspect to your life that is beyond flesh and blood. That I'm a person who is spiritual. I'm made in the image and likeness of God. So now I'm learning how to live not from the bottom up but from the top down. I'm learning how to live from the inside out and not from the outside in because there's a spiritual dimension to my life and God now allows me to live with revelation. So that Paul says in Corinthians, he says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But they must be spiritually discerned and it is the spirit of God that helps us to receive the revelation. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says, when I heard about your faith and your love for 
of the people of God. He says, I pray that your eyes would be open. Not these eyes, but the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your spirit, so that you would know the hope of your calling. You would know the inheritance that God has in you. And you would know that the power is available to you, the same power that God used to raise Jesus up from the dead. When you come into a right relationship with God, you start seeing things you normally would not see. You can't walk in what you don't see. But when the spirit of the living God helps you to see it, there ain't a devil in hell that can stop you from walking in what you see. I got to move. I got to move. Listen, when Jesus baptized, he comes up out of the water. The heavens are open. The Bible says Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and a lightning upon him. When you're baptized into Jesus, you're going to start living in the fullness of the Holy Ghost. You're going to live with power that you never knew you had. Jesus is baptized. What shows up at the Jordan when he's baptized? Everybody shout, a dove showed up, Pastor. A dove showed up. Come on, talk to me. A dove showed up. A dove showed up. Where did the dove come from? God destroys the world with a flood, but he saves Noah and his family. They've been in the ark. It done rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Family Noah wants to know, is it getting that time that the water's going to rescind? Are we going to see earth again? He sends a dove out the first time. The dove comes back, ain't found no land. He sends the dove out a second time. The dove comes back with an olive branch in his mouth saying that the waters are rescinding. So then Noah sends the dove out a third time and the dove never returned. Ain't seen the dove. Ain't heard from the dove until Jesus is being baptized in the Jordan. And then finally, the dove shows back up. That's why I like this pool. I like a cross and I like a dove because I'm crucified, but I got the Holy Ghost. I got the spirit of the living God. I got power in me. Come on, look at somebody. Tell them I got too much power to be around here whining and crying. I got too much power to have a pity party. I got too much power to stay down when I get knocked down. I Sometimes I take it on my chest but I get back up because I got something within that won't let me be ashamed. I got something within that hold it the rain. I got power from on high. I got to stop. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Yeah, the heavens are open. The dove shows up, and then Jesus heard a voice. He, he heard a voice. He, I, it's in the text. He heard a voice. If Jesus can hear a voice, I can hear a voice. Because the same father that spoke to his son is the same father who talks to me. This is my son. 
in whom I'm well pleased. I told you last Sunday, you got to learn how to listen to the voice of God. He talks to me. Anybody else still believes God will talk to you? Oh, he talks to me. Oh, I've never heard him say Walter, Walter. I've never heard it like that because God is a spirit and yet he talks to me. I heard him. I heard him, I tell you. He speaks to me. He tells me sometimes, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He talks to me. He tells me you might get tired, Walter, but wait on me. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew the <laughs> shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. Walter, I know what you need. He talks to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He talks to me. Storms come up. God is my refuge and a strength. Very present help in a time of trouble. He talks to me. If God is for you, who can be against you? He talks to me. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He talks to me. You can overcome because greater is he. in you than he that's in the world he talks to me I've seen the lightning flashing I've heard the thunder roar I felt sin breakers dashing trying to conquer my soul but I heard I heard I heard the voice of Jesus saying still the fight on he promised he promised, he promised never to leave me. Never, no, never, 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 never. He promised. Never to leave me alone. That pool, that that pool, that 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 pool. Those baptismal waters, that cross, that dove has serious implications if you take God serious. Oh, beloved. Oh, beloved. <laughs> <laughs> I 
beloved, 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 beloved. Beloved, beloved. What Jesus experienced when he was baptized. John, I don't need to be baptized. I'm sinless. But I need you to do it because I want everyone who's going to be baptized in me to know what they can expect. The heavens will open. The dove will come upon you. That is the Holy Ghost. You can hear the voice of God. Beloved, what I speak of now is about nothing materialistic, but it is that sweet walk. It is that holy. <laughs> it is that holy communion that you can have as you walk with him. And all the joy and all the peace, all the satisfaction of knowing that I'm in him, he's in me. <laughs> and he's gonna use me to his glory. And when I come to journey's end, when I come to journey's end, I will see him who held my hand, who ordered my steps, who saved my soul, who made a way when there appeared to be no way. Oh, just to behold his face. I will say amen. Thank you, Jesus. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.